Amen. You may all be seated. I want that to hang in the air just a little bit, though. I will worship you with all of my heart, all of my mind, all of my soul, all of our strength. Everything that's in us, that we ought to be worshiping and praising our God. Not because he, he needs it, but because he deserves it. Amen. Everything that we have, everything that we are, everything that we do should be an outpouring, should be in worship of God and who he is. Man, we need that reminder. We need that reminder here today. Um, one of the things I forgot to announce next Sunday, we'll be celebrating um, the Lord's Supper. So um, if, if, uh, if you're on YouTube, Facebook, you're in the Bolingbrook area, love for you to come and join us in the building so that we can celebrate and, and partake of the Lord's Supper together. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm firmly convicted as the, the Bible talks about the Lord's Supper, uh, especially when you look at in First Corinthians and how Paul stresses um, coming together and the, the unity of the body of believers, the, the togetherness, together, together, together. He continues to talk about this. And so, man, for us to be apart and to be spread out has been tough because um, this, this unity and togetherness, especially as we see it and poured out through the Lord's Supper, is so important. And so, um, you know, we will have some of the deacons and, and myself who will go and, and celebrate the Lord's Supper with those who are unable to, to come in the building. But if you're able, man, I want you to be here together with us as we uh, partake of the Lord's Supper together and remember what he has for us. Also, next Sunday, we will have a baptism as well. So we're going we're gonna to go all out in the ordinances next Sunday and hope you guys will join us for the baptism and Lord's Supper. Uh, this morning, though, we're continuing our series in the book of Mark. This morning, we're in Mark chapter 7. You know, one, one of the things that uh, about the, the world and everything that's going on is hard not to be grieved by everything that is happening in, in the world today, especially as it pertains to the divisions that we have, not just with, with God's, God and his people, but, but just uh, across the, the nation, across the world, how we fit so many people in these little boxes. And last week we talked about the, the Christian mask, right? Because we have this mask that we put on where we try to be something that people expect us to be. But the reality is, and, and that it pertains to us as, as Christians too, we put on this, this Christian mask and, and try to act like Christians, but deep inside we're, we're not. We, we profess to be Christians, but we don't do what Christ told us to do. We don't act in the way that Christ told us to act. And it's a mask. So furthering on, as, as we go through the, the, the end of chapter 7, Jesus brings this to the forefront of these fictitious uh, alignments that we have that causes us, because of our flesh, to treat people different based on uh, who they are, what they look like, and where they come from. That is not of God. 
And I think we tend to forget about that. We tend to to, to miss it. And we, we get so indoctrinated by the world, we, we tend to succumb to the things that they're using to divide us, even as people of God. I call you brothers and sisters because if you are followers in Christ, that's what you are. We are bought by the blood of God and bonded together because of the finished work of his on the cross. And for that, I call you brothers and sisters. I love you as such. Look with me in Mark chapter 7. We'll start in verse 24. This is after Jesus is uh, talking to the Pharisees and the, the, the Sadducees. And remember, they're, they're saying, hey, look, look at these guys. Hey, Jesus, how come you and the disciples don't follow the tradition? You guys don't wash your hands before you eat. You guys are ritually imp- impure. What's up with that? And Jesus had to explain to them the reason why they were given that tradition, why they, they, they see it, and, and then point them back to what the Word of God says. And this is the, um, just a, a further example of kind of what, was, what we talked about on last week as we begin in Mark 7, verse 24. Here God's Word reads, He got up and departed from there to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know, know it, but he could not escape notice. Instead, immediately after hearing about him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she was asking him to cast out the demon out of her daughter. He said, let the children be fed first, but it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she replied to him, Lord, even the dogs on their table eat the children's crumbs. And he told her, because of this reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. When she went back to her home, she found the child laying in the bed, and the demon was gone. Let's pray. Father, I thank you just for loving loving your people. Even the way that we are, I mean, despite the things that, that are come up in our minds, despite that, the, the things that our flesh causes us to do, you still saw fit to, to love us and care for us. You still saw fit to send your one and only son to die for us so that um, he can pay the penalty on our behalf so that we can be reconciled back to you as one people, as people of God, heirs according to your promise. Fathers, help, help us to see that today in your text, that despite the divisions that we cause of, of ourselves, the, the things that we talk about, despite those divisions, we are still one under God. Help us to live out that reality in our lives so that others may be able to see it. Help us to love each other as they are made in the image of God. Father, give me the words to say this morning, how to say them. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart 
be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my strength, my Redeemer, whom I trust. It's in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. So as per usual with, with Mark, he's, he's going from one place to another. He's, he doesn't want to take much time in telling you the things that you need to hear. And so he's going from one place to another. And Jesus, because of his popularity, he's trying to get away. He's trying to get away to have some time alone with him and the Father, time alone with uh, him and the disciples. He just needs to take a breath, but he just can't seem to get away. People are hearing the stories of Jesus and what he's doing, and they, they hear all the miraculous things, and I want to experience that. And so he can't catch a break. He's trying to go off and goes into the region of Tyree. Now, Tyree was an important trading, trading city uh, that had close ties to the kingdom of Herod the Great. They made coins in Tyree, and they were of such good quality. They were the only ones that the temple authorities would accept in the temple because of the quality of the silver. It was highly trusted. In the book of Antiquities, the ancient historian Josephus, he describes the Tyrrhenians as notoriously our bitterest enemies. It's more like you keep your friends close and your enemies closer type of deal. It's a necessary evil. You had to work with these folks, but uh, nobody really wanted to. I love the storytelling that Mark used here last week as we discussed in the beginning of chapter 7. And um, the, the take-home theme that we saw is asking the question about what defiles a person. We talked about wearing the Christian mask and acting, act, acting as if all, we all have our, our stuff together, like we're, we're good to go and we're trying to do and experience things and in order to fit in. But Jesus breaks the Jewish oral law and the, the law of the ceremonial uncleanness. Instead of being worried about the ceremonial impurity, we need to be concerned about our, our spiritual health and our, our spiritual well-being. This goes far and above the conversations about whether I should eat pork or shellfish. Doing good things doesn't mean that you are a good person. If you can't say amen, you ought to say ouch. Doing good things does not necessarily mean that you're a good person. But that is the lie from the depths of hell that we tend to believe these days. Je Jesus normally had no relationship with, with Gentiles. The Jews, actually, they had no relationships with Gentiles because those associations would make the Jews ritually unclean. So here comes Jesus throwing all that out, throwing all that out to the wayside, talking to him, hey, you shouldn't be talking to those folks. What are you doing? Jesus purposely associates with this Gentile woman to emphasize the mission to the Gentiles. The gospel of the kingdom is not limited to Israel. The good news is, is for all people, the gospel, the good news, the euangelion. It is meant for all people. So the question I pose, if, is the gospel for all people, there, there's, your, there's the punchline, there's the answer to your question, is, is for everyone. 
The example that we have from Jesus is that this woman, regardless of her race, um, it says that she from he, um, he entered this house, he goes to the region of Tyre. Instead, immediately hearing about him, a woman whose little daughter had unclean spirit came and fell at his feet. This woman who was a Gentile, was a Syrophoenician by birth. It says by birth here, other translations says by race, or she comes from the nation. This notion of ethnicity, of race that we have today is, is not the biblical definition of race, nationality, ethnicity. These terms that we use today, they had no idea. If we were to talk to people of the Bible today, they would have no clue what we're talking about. What do you mean? Where are they from? This woman was Syrophoenician. She was from that place. It's now in Lebanon. They had no clue or no idea of this, this colorism thing that we talk about today that, that separates us. I'm a St. Louisan. I'm from St. Louis. Don't hold that against me, though. Right? Just because I'm from St. Louis doesn't mean I can't appreciate those things of Chicago. In verse 26, it says, The woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she was asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. This Syrophoenician, a Syrian and Phoenician put together, again, now that the, uh, what we know as in Lebanon, it represents the ethnicity or the race of the people that have been most antagonistic to Israel up to this point. The nations of Tyre and Sidon, they were constantly working to occupy and consolidate his hold on the land of Canaan. They were continuously in war trying to take over these places. In verse 27, he said to her, hey, let the children be fed first because it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs ouch like how do wait wait how do we get from here to there i'm talking about my daughter this woman goes to jesus and says my daughter is sick my daughter is has been consumed by these demons and children and what are you trying to say jesus The response from Jesus it seems to be harsh it seems to be insensitive but it reflects the tradition the tradition that was taking place in Israel um, and it was the priority. Jesus makes this contrast. He makes a contrast between the, the privileged position of Israel or the children and the less privileged of those that were the Gentiles or the little dogs. This is viewing the world through the lens of the Jews at the time. This is common in vernacular. This is the way that either you were Jew or you're Gentile. And the Gentiles were no good. The analogy would have been familiar um, where the children of the household were fed first. In the family, right, you come together, you have dinner together, the children will be fed first, and the leftovers will be given to the dogs to eat. Waste not, want not. They didn't, they didn't have refrigerators and freezers like we did to be able to have leftovers. The leftovers, they went to the, to the dogs. These, these uh, were, uh, as Jesus talks about, these were lap dogs that would find a place under the table and they would wait for any food that fell off the table. You know, you, you serve your kids the Brussels sprouts, they don't want to eat them, so they, they disappear 
under the table. Jesus is feeding the people of Israel. Like, hey, this is why this is why we're here. We come with a priority to, to give the gospel to the Israelite people. And it indicates that the Gentiles, you'll get your turn. We're here to feed Israel, and then Gentiles would get it next. With everything going on with her daughter, this woman just can't wait. She's seeing firsthand how her daughter is being inflicted by this evil spirit. Her request and need is, is urgent. This demon is potentially harming and damaging this little girl. Think about if this was you. Think about if this was your daughter. And inflicted with something you, you, couldn't, you couldn't put a finger on. That nobody else could do anything about. The doctors are at the end of their rope. They don't know how to care for your little daughter, your son what would you do where would you go this mother is desperate at the end of her rope she's heard about Jesus and some of the miracles that he's done and she not only believes that Jesus is her only hope but she believes Jesus is the one that could and would heal her daughter I've tried everything. I've talked to everybody I could. But there's this guy I keep hearing about named Jesus who is healing the sick and, and helping the lame to walk. He's got to be my answer. I've got to go and find this man Jesus. She came in faith, and Jesus knew it. More importantly, it's a persistent faith. It wasn't like, well, I'm just going to try it, and hey, just roll the dice. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. I don't know. She was persistent. And in Matthew's account, the disciples like, look, this, this woman is getting on our nerves. Just send her away. She needs to get in line. Jesus, just, just get, get her out of here. We're tired of hearing her requests. She begged for him uh, to cast out this demon. She falls down at Jesus' feet. Not once, but notice the tense. She kept asking. She kept asking. Look with me in verse 28. She replied back to the Lord, and the Lord brings in, it's like, hey, the children need to eat first. And she says, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. Instead of taking offense to Jesus' analogy, she, she starts to build on it, and she points out that we, we know how all this works realistically right we we know that there are you know the lap dogs that are able to partake of the children's crumbs those dogs don't have to wait 
like I said, I'm I'm grieved by all the divisions that we see in the world today. All the separations, uh, you know, white versus people of color, young, old, men, women, Democrat, Republican. It's exhausting. Even just with the use of terms to understand what people mean by the term that they're using. What what are they going to think about me? Where, Where do I fit? Do I fit anywhere? Should I fit anywhere? I was watching a show the other day where the person said, um, she calls in and says, I noticed that um, you talk about diversity in your brochures um, and there's a wide range of diversity, yet I don't see any redheads represented. You know, redheads are a minority group and heroism will not be tolerated. Heroism. That's, that's where we've got. You don't have enough redheads in, in your brochure. My, my mother and sister-in-law and brother-in-law should appreciate that, of being redheads. But while these are all valid distinctions, they are more used as a way to divide and where one group holds those things over another group. The term evangelical these days has turned in somehow a, a derogatory term evangelical. It simply means that someone who believes in the gospel and believes that salvation is by by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone. And they believe what is, is written in the Bible, that people need to hear the good news. This is what an evangelical is. This is what an evangelical does. But if you watch the news, you read articles, you, you might be led to believe that an evangelical is, is the equivalent of a Republican or a Trump supporter. Again, like this, this dichotomy that we see with Jesus, how do you get from one place to another? One has nothing to do with the other. It's held up by one group and, and uh, an insult used by another group. What a world we live in where evangelical is used as an insult. This is crazy to me. In reality, I doubt that any of these people using these terms actually know what they mean. And I think this is proved out. Lifeway recently produced a study that showed that 52% of people that claim to be Christian 52% of people who claim to be Christian do not believe that Jesus is God. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. These people claim to be Christian, but they don't believe Jesus is God. They say he's a good teacher, but not God. Brothers and sisters, this is core of Christianity. This is the price of admission. This is the bare essentials, what it means to be a Christian, that God exists in three persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. While they are separate in persons, they are co-equal, they are all God. I don't know how that works. But 
the plain reading of the Bible, that is what is communicated. But 52% of people who claim to be Christians, they don't believe that. 64% believe that God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Islam, Buddhism. It's all the same. But yet the Bible says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. How do you get from one, how, do you, how does that work? Through the plain reading of the text. 56 believe that hell is a real place. 56% of, again, these are people that consider themselves to be Christians only 56% believe hell is a real place. Amen, they will find out. I would hate for them to find out. I don't wish that on my worst enemy. This is why we need to be evangelical. This is why we need evangelism. This is why we need to preach the gospel, because they're in for a rude awakening. That hell is real. Eternal damnation is real. 56% believe that being a good person will get you into heaven. My point is that we're walking around using terms, hearing them on television, yet we have no idea what we're talking about. We have no clue what they mean. People want to talk about Marx's ideology, but they have no idea who Marx was, who he professed to be. And to be clear, I'm not making any statement on Marxism or not. I'm just stating that people that use the term have no idea what it means. This Syrophoenician woman, she clearly understands Jesus' statement. She understands her standing within the culture. She knows how Jews look at her as a Gentile woman. You see, Gentiles would regular or Jews, I'm sorry, would regularly call Gentiles dogs. And, and, and so we lose this a little bit in our English uh, translation. Uh, they would call dogs, but meaning savages. They would call Gentiles dogs uh, as if they were savages out on the street. Jesus uses a different term for dogs, and he means, like I mentioned earlier, these lab dogs, these house-trained dogs, the, the ones that were allowed inside. She, she immediately hears this distinction, like, oh, you're not like other Jews, condemning me just because I'm a Gentile, calling me a savage. Even in this, this description he is showing mercy on this woman, but still using something that she would clearly understand. Look with me in verse 29. He said, he, he told her because of this, because of this reply, look, you, hey, he's saying, look, you're tracking with me. You understand, you know, you, you see I'm, I'm uh, extending to you an olive branch. I'm not going to treat you like unfairly like all the others will. And he sees this woman's faith. He says, because of your reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. Praise God. Seeing her faith, Jesus, he, he, he almost seems impressed by her. 
she sees this distinction that he uses between the, the lab dogs, the little dogs, and the savage dogs. She sees that distinction. He's, he sees her persistence, like, I, I got to get this done. I care for my daughter. I want her to be healed. And Jesus, you're the man to do it. And because of her persistence, because of her faith, he does exactly that. The example that we see from Jesus is that the kingdom of heaven is for those who, just like this woman, constantly and consistently pursue spiritual things. The kingdom is for those who are persistent. If you remember back to the second chapter of Mark, where, where Jesus is, is in a house and uh, this paralytic and his friends have heard about Jesus just like this woman, and they need to get to Jesus. But there's, it's so crowded that they can't get in through the front door. So what do they do? They climb up on the roof. They cut a hole in the roof, lower their friend down so that he could be healed by Jesus. This is a persistent faith. That should be an example for us, how we ought to be living our lives we go through any and everything to get to Jesus. Nothing will hold us back. Nothing will stand in our way. Nothing would confuse us. I don't care what's going on. I'm getting to Jesus. I'm going to be persistent. I'm going to knock down walls, cut open roofs, uh, make it through anybody I need to in order to get to Christ our Savior. We want to be comfortable. We take for granted that we, we have God's word and we can open it whenever we want to. We take that for granted, that I can open it and, and read it or not. I want to sleep in this morning. I'm busy. I got work to do. I got to do stuff for work and I, I can't be bothered with reading the Bible. We let everything get in the way of our relationship with Christ. We don't show the persistence that we see in the Bible. That nothing will stand in our way in order to, to meet our Savior. To, to drop down and, and, and bend down at our feet. And, and, and put our petitions there for him to hear. We neglect to do that. This is what we are being called to do, to show this persistence. This is how we should be pursuing Christ, where no obstacles would stand in our way, where nothing can stop us from spending time reading our Bible, uh, coming into worship, or to, to going to our prayer services. Nothing will stand in our way. Brothers and sisters, do you persistently and passionately pursue Christ? Do you? Persistently and passionately pursue Christ? If I'm honest, I don't. I find myself, my, myself sometimes, I, man, I just, I just need to repent. Repent. 
where I have not been able to, I have not set aside the time, I have not make it a, made it a point to, to, to meet with God and through reading of his scripture and through prayer. I try to make it a point to pray for all of you by name, but I miss some days. And for that, I repent. This woman, like us, she knew that she didn't deserve what she was asking for. There was nothing that she could offer that would merit Christ's help. For example, she's a, she's a Gentile. She was not a child of the household of Israel, yet she depended on Christ's goodness and not her own. And this was all grace, all of it. Matthew 5 and 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Matthew 5 and 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Then we see at the end of Matthew 7 and 30, when the woman back, went back home, she found her child lying on the bed and the demon was gone. This was a result of Christ's healing power. Her dear daughter had been completely restored. This woman had come to Jesus without any ultimate revelation of God's love for the power toward his people, but she got to experience it. For us on this side of the cross, we, we ought to get this. We, we, we've got God's revelation to us through his, his uh, holy word. We know how the story ends. She didn't have that. We've got hindsight. John 3 and 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Man, what a benefit that we have on this side of the cross to understand the mystery that unfolds throughout the entirety of Scripture. To know that we might be able to have hope that we can go to a sovereign, all-powerful Savior and plead our case with him, to beg him for forgiveness, to pray that he changes hearts and minds. You might be a lot like this woman, this Syrophoenician woman. Maybe you didn't grow up in a Christian household, or maybe you've done some things in your life that you're not proud of. There might be things that you've done in your life that you think is unforgivable. But the Bible tells us, through the finished work of Jesus on the cross, you can know that you have already been forgiven. The work has already been done. You don't need to do more work on top of it. 
Christ's death on the cross was sufficient. You just need to go to him. Run to him. Don't let anything stand in your way. Here's the beauty that we see in God's word. In Ephesians 1 and 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Man, that that makes me melt, just the riches of his grace. Hebrews 9 and 14, how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God cleanse our consciences from dead work so that we can serve the living God. He washes all that away for you so that you can serve him. There is no better word. You won't find that in the world. The world says you need to continue to, 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 to churn through things and, and work your hands to the bone and you'll still never be good enough. You don't need to be good enough because Jesus is. Whatever ails you, Christ can heal it. So what do we need to do? What do we do with all this? Romans 10 and 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the real hell. Saved from the real eternal damnation that exists apart from God. He goes on to say, one believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on him would not be put to shame. Since there is no distinction, there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. Because the same Lord all richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This gospel is for everyone who has ears to hear it. So I urge you today, if if you have not made that decision in your life to follow this Jesus that we read about in Scripture, who came to this earth fully man while yet still fully God, that lived a life that we couldn't, that we couldn't possibly live. Who paid your debt on your behalf. Why? So that you can live. He conquered death and now sits at the right hand of the Father. Even when we don't know any better, we don't know what to pray, we don't know how to act, Jesus is there praying for us, interceding on our behalf. 
I hope you leave here this morning with that hope. And if you've not made that decision for yourself in your life, let's, I would love to have that conversation with you. We want to walk with you in that endeavor. Help you understand what God says about himself in his word. And it's different than anything else you would hear in this world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the preservation of your word that we have here today. Father, forgive us. Forgive us that we've put anything before and ahead of you. Father, forgive us that we are more wrapped up in things of the world than we are in you and who you are. Help us to realize there is nothing more important there's nothing even on equal standing than you and your word. Help us to be obedient to you. Help us to spend time with you in the reading of your scripture. Help us to uh, uh, bow our knees in prayer that we can seek your guidance on uh, the decisions of our lives and how you would have us to live it. Help us to be courageous as we go out and share this good news to the people in the world that does not see hope. They don't believe that there is hope to be had. Help us to go out and talk to them about a Savior that died for even them. Help us to go out and, and share what is truly good news. That as much as we, we look for this utopia here on earth, that the perfection does not come until that day we spend with you. Father, I thank you for caring for us enough that we're able to come and wrestle with these thoughts, wrestle with these questions, Father. And we just thank you for continuing to come after us and put us on the right path. Father, I thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Won't you all please stand as we conclude our worship this morning?